Welcome to Aspire to Rise, where we are teaming up to serve leaders and help them process through a challenge they're facing. I'm Joshua Stamper. And I'm Sarah Johnson. Now let's ascend to new leadership heights together. Hello and welcome to Aspire to Rise. Joshua, I'm so excited. This is our very first conversation and our first episode. So how are you feeling? Oh, I'm so excited. I'm really pumped to introduce our first guest. Yeah, me too. Uh, Before we start that, I just want to know, have you met and have you risen to any leadership challenges yourself this week? (laughs) (laughs) This is a trick question. I have actually a very big goal of mine that was achieved this week. I signed a book contract with EduMatch. That's huge. Yes. Very excited. Okay. So not only have you announced uh, a few different roles that you're serving, I'm like, do you want to talk about your podcast network thing? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm just throwing it all out there today. Yeah. So I am the podcast manager for the Teach Better team. So I just joined them and I'm so excited to venture on that. And the Aspire podcast is one of eight podcasts right now that are within the network. So that was announced at the very beginning of the week. And then um, this weekend, I announced that I signed that book contract to correlate with my podcast, which is Aspire to Lead. Yeah, you are, buddy. That's awesome. (laughs) These are some pretty significant things. Plus, you're starting this Aspire to Rise segment with the Sarah Johnson. So how lucky is that? (laughs) That's number one on my list. Duh, but hey, you also like shifted into a new decade at the same time. Oh, I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. Yes, You're I turned so 40 welcome. also this week. <laughs> so yeah, it was a lot of celebration. It was a very good week. Yeah, I wanted to celebrate you because that, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot going on. And behind your back, somebody said to me, they were excited because they saw that we were promoing this. And they're like, man, he's everywhere. How does he keep it all together? And I said, well, I'll probably be coaching him on the side with some balance tips. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be on the show later. You can coach me through how to aspire to rise. Solo seats. So yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, and congratulations. I'm so proud of you. And Thank you. what a model you are. So I'm excited to have that as the way we start and kick off this series. And I'm super excited to do this with you. So do you want to go ahead and introduce our guest? Oh, most definitely. I'm so excited because the guest that we have today, I actually had the pleasure of working with her. She was a phenomenal team lead and she moved. She moved away to another state and I'm still crying my eyes out because I don't get a chance to work with her every day. Um, Our first guest is Elena Gilliam and she is with us today. And Elena, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited. A little nervous, but excited. Oh, (laughs) Elena, we're already best friends from the pre-chat. We're not going to worry about that, right? Welcome. We're so glad you're here. Thank you. So Elena, if you wouldn't mind just providing us with your educational journey and letting the listeners know kind of your background. Yeah, I'd love to. So I started my 11th year of teaching this year. I've taught in grades, fourth grade, all the way up to eighth grade. I've taught in Arkansas and Texas. I'm currently in Northwest Arkansas teaching sixth grade math. I have a master's degree in special education, and I am currently working on my specialist degree in educational leadership. So I just want to ask real quick, what do you ultimately like to aspire to in your leadership journey? My goal is to become a principal one day, but I I feel like there's a whole journey ahead of that. Um, I have a lot of learning. I'm currently a team leader at my school. And luckily, I've had the opportunity through Josh to actually take that first step into leadership in Texas. So then I got to transition that same position at my new school, my principal was able to allow me to be in the same sixth grade leadership position. So 
I want to kind of just continue to build my leadership skills before becoming a principal because I see there's so much to it. My dad's actually a principal and there's so much behind the scenes that we don't see. And I'm learning that through my internship right now. That is so true. I love how you pointed that out. And a couple of things I just can't help but say, because this episode is also being aired on In Awe to Rise, which is, you know, where I amplify women. And I just want to tell you that it's interesting to hear you talk about all the experience that you have and the preparation and the education, yet you still feel like you're not ready to jump in. And I just want to challenge you to explore that mindset just a little bit. I know we want to be ready, right? But it sounds like you have a lot of really great experience behind you and just even a model in your own home <laughs> growing up to, to see what that that's like um, for the principalship. So I think it's beautiful that you recognize that there's a lot, but I also just want to pour into you and say it's a typical female response to think that you have to have X, Y, and Z in place before you launch in. So just keep that one in mind, my friend. Now that you say that, that's very much my always thinking is X, Y, Z, I've got to do this and this and then yeah. I think it's it's just sometimes we need to hear that from someone else, but I also don't want to diminish the fact that, you know, you have your own journey and your own story and the components to that, but we're so quick to feel like we're not ready for something. Uh, but I also believe this was the second point mm -hmm. I wanted to make is that there's zero people ready until they're behind the desk. Would you agree with that, Joshua? I was thinking the exact same thing is even when you think you're ready, like I thought I was ready to be a dean of students moving out of the classroom. And even in that role, I realized quickly that I was not prepared. And every single day I learned something new. So I think Sarah's completely right in that sense that you will never feel 100% ready, especially when you're in that role. Yeah. And the other thing is there's just, there's a lot of times where you'll get to the end of the day and say, yeah, you just can't make this up. You can't. And <laughs> there's so many unique, unique examples of that, that people who are, I guess that behind the desk phrase is something I always kind of put in my head and in my heart when I was working with people who were interested in doing the job that I was when I was in it. So Elena, you've mm -hmm. got this. I'm so excited yes. that you joined us. We can keep talking about this a little bit with you. So would you do the listeners a favor and just go ahead and, and frame up your leadership challenge? What is it that you would like to discuss? with Joshua and I today. So my challenge is dealing with having to deal with other people's emotions and my emotions at the same time of being able to take that breath and moment and being able to perceive what they're saying and just allowing them to feel their emotions and then myself being able to reflect and see how I can help them. Because sometimes I take it very personally because I wear my heart on my sleeves that I feel like it's an attack on myself as a leader or myself even as a teacher and just being able to come up with a, a way that I can work through that is kind of the area that I like to see myself grow in. So what I hear you saying, Elena, is that you want to understand the emotion of the other person and not get too emotional yourself. But by doing that, you're going to be able to reflect and give them the information that they need. Is that correct? Yes. That's awesome. And just to a follow up to that, what basically what I'm hearing is that you're looking at your own self-regulation as well as being able to kind of read the room. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what at this point, you know, we're, you said that it's an area of growth. So it shows that you've got some self-awareness, which is really key for leaders. That's it's so critical. But this to this point, what strategies have you tried any strategies? And if you have, what, what are they? Um, my strategy... Sadly, sometimes it's just having to step away, mm -hmm. even though sometimes I know there are certain times where you have to deal with it right away. Then there's times where it's easier for me to step away, reflect and kind of work through it myself and then come back to the person and we talk it out. I've had team members that would help kind of mediate the situation. They would make sure that we're both hearing each other when we're talking, that we're not over talking each other. 
So really, it's just trying to, for me, it's reflecting on what they're seeing and based on how I feel like I am presenting, and it might not be taken the way I think I'm presenting it, information. Have you experienced this challenge in any other setting, or is this new to your educational journey? I would say I've experienced it before in different contexts, too, even like with relationships, with friends, where the way maybe I deliver something, I think it's taken a certain way. It's being able to take away those assumptions of assuming something or thinking that you're reading between the lines, that really there's no lines to read between. Man, isn't that so hard? <laughs> but it is. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, it's, the truth is that, you know, our lives are so dynamic and we're made, we're all, the way I like to frame it is that we are all complex, complicated souls on beautiful journeys. And when you start to place people, those complicated souls together and trying to reach particular goals together, whatever that's a personal yeah. situation or a professional situation, it's really complicated because we all bring our own bias. We bring our own baggage. As a former English teacher, I will tell you that I always said, I know communication. I teach it. I mean, I have the, I have the formula that I teach in my oral communications class. I know about, mm -hmm. you know, how to give a message and how to receive it. But I remember early in my leadership journey, realizing that, wow, I mean, there's so much that I'm missing in my own um, ability to gauge how people are receiving the message. And I think a huge part of that just can be the fact that there's so many uh, mixed signals that can come about simply because we all process information differently and we all output information differently. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to tell you that, you know, what you're experiencing is not <laughs> uncommon. Um, Joshua, do you agree with that? Yes, I would definitely agree with that, especially, I mean, even right now, I mean, under the circumstances of the pandemic, I mean, everyone's stressed. The education is a stressful job and, you know, people sometimes are just in a different space. And a lot of times it has nothing to do with education at all. It's what's going on behind the scenes in their own lives. And a lot of times whatever is occurring at home is spilling over onto the campus. And, and that's not something that we're privy to. And so we're having to kind of go through all these heavy waters and trying to figure out what the real problem is. Because a lot of times the problem that is occurring has nothing to do with the real problem, right? I mean, um, it might be a technology issue or it might be a grading issue, but deep down it's, you know, my husband lost their job or um, I'm going through a divorce or there was a death in the family. So, so a lot of times as a leader, you're, you're trying to solve one problem, but really there's a much deeper issue. Mm, that just makes a ton of sense to me. And then Elena, I was thinking about the fact that you said that it's, you know, it's happened in other settings. And so this is definitely something I think we can, you know, we can help you with to give you some resources, but also just to validate that this most recent one, you know, that could certainly be tied to current circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> yes, probably so. All right. So just a kind of another follow-up question before we kind of get into a little bit more of the meat. Ultimately, what do you feel is the best way for you to overcome the challenge that you're facing in terms of self-regulation? and reading the room? I definitely think I've got to, I'm normally okay with getting like feedback from like my principal or assistant principal, someone that's superior to myself. But when it's a colleague and you're getting the feedback and it's negative feedback, I think it's hard for me sometimes to take that. And I feel like I said, I feel like it's an attack. So just learning to, I need to listen. And I know that's a big part of being a leader is listening to others. And I try really hard to do that. But sometimes even when it's the negative feedback, I still need to listen because there's some something I can learn from them in that. Hmm. So a follow up question to that is when you, you say you need to learn to listen, do you feel that you are a good listener in the moment? 
like an active listener? Or if somebody gives you feedback, do you shut down? I feel like I'm a good listener, like an active listener. I tend to lose the eye contact or play with my pencil or something just to kind of calm myself down. But it's not out of like disrespecting the person. It's more out of like, I want to get out of the situation Mm. kind of feeling. So let's expand on that real quick, Elena. So you said you want to get out of that situation. What part of that makes you want to, to get out of the conversation? Well, the last one was very like heated and I'm not a big, I don't like okay. arguing. It's sure. argumentative. If it's not going toward a solution base, like how can we fix this where it's just mm-hmm. continued statements and there's no, okay, let's, let's resolve this. Let's say I can do this to better improve our relationship. Trying to compromise on the situation is like the best way for me to communicate with someone is understanding how they're seeing it and then how I can improve my communication with them. Yeah, those are good. In uh, a couple of things, I, I love your follow-up question, Joshua, because it was, it was basically exactly what I was thinking. And then as we were talking earlier, I was wondering too, how does other people's outward display of emotion, like what range are you comfortable with? If a person is displaying sadness or frustration, are you okay sitting with them as they maybe cry a few tears? How does that make you feel? Oh yeah, that's that's okay. It's just when it's I think when it's more of reactionary, like if they're upset about something that's happening, I can understand that. But if it's like, I guess more of the, like an angry, not a sad or like, or emotional of that type. So you feel like it's more attacking you as a person versus solution oriented. Yes. Yeah. And I think the thing is like, it's feedback and it's, it's me trying to get the productive feedback from someone. So there's a couple of things there because one, you're, your peer, right? Even when you're a team leader, you're still considered a peer. And that is always a lateral position um, in someone's mind. Whereas if you were an administrator um, or district leader, right, that would be a little bit different because there's a hierarchy there. So title does matter in, in that situation. I will say that the most difficult time in my leadership journey was when I was a team leader because I was a peer. So that is something that's very common. But I think as a leader, we still need to establish a time like when someone can vent and share their frustrations, but then also kind of redirecting in the sense that we need to make sure that we're having a solution mindset, right? That's something that we always need to strive to. So not easy by any means, (laughs) but um, definitely something that needs to be communicated. It's okay for someone to be frustrated. It's, It's okay for someone to be angry and there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's a human emotion and we need to allow it to occur and be comfortable in that. But then we also need to end that emotion to a certain degree to then move forward into a solution. Sarah, what do you think in regards to that? Yeah, it's really interesting. And I love what you said about the difference between peers, you know, and leaders. I think that's really critical. Mm-hmm. And do you know what's interesting too, is I've studied this concept of giving and receiving feedback in relation to her gender dimensions, because we know Mm -hmm. that, you know, men and women actually tend to hear and respond to feedback very differently. Um, We also know that, you know, there are socializations that make it that way. So for some reason, you know, women, we can tend to be a little bit more smooth, but also easily more easily offended when we receive feedback. 
And so in so for females, we're socialized to, you know, as more informative, but in the same breath, we, we kind of receive it if it's too blunt, that it's subjective, right? Sure. So I don't know, I was just I was as I was listening, I was thinking about so many different things, because there's also, you know, maybe a dimension of our generational <laughs> situation. So I'm curious about do you tend to uh, when you have interactions that have been challenging to you? Is that a person in your same generation? Or is that somebody who's a generation? removed from you. I'm out of my own curiosity. Uh, most of the time it would be a ge- generation removed. Above? Above, yeah. Okay. I, I, the reason I ask is because, uh, again, just looking at this idea is that sometimes that can be really challenging as a younger educator trying to help mm-hmm. with um, improvement efforts with our veteran um, colleagues. And just because there are layers there. Yeah. Joshua, do, yeah. <laughs> would you agree? Have you seen that kind of a thing? Oh, I've yes. As Even as a administrator, I've had a generational difference where someone actually called me young boy. I forget what the term was, but diminishing the amount of time I was in my Mm -hmm. position and diminishing the time I was in education and saying that I didn't know what I was talking about because they had been a veteran and it was hard for me to keep a straight face because honestly, I, I, I didn't see that as the issue at all. What they were trying to do was they really, they didn't like the feedback that I provided. So they were defensive and that was the way that they communicated that to, to me. Um, and I had to then say like, Although you don't agree with me, it <laughs> doesn't mean that I'm not right. And so I then laid out the evidence as to my case as to what they need to change in the classroom. So I do say that even for me, um, I was very young when I started my leadership journey. That has always been, I, I have a baby face. <laughs> so people have always thought of me as someone that's young and, and because of that may not take my words with validity and try to diminish that. But, you know, that comes with confidence too. Like Elena, you are a great leader. Like I've seen that firsthand. I know that. So with that confidence, how do you feel about having those types of conversations? Yeah, I think once I've been able to process it, I'm okay to go back and talk to the person and being able to mm-hmm. kind of go through the feedback that they said and get examples so that I have a better, clear understanding of maybe that's not the communication style they need. And I need to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And I need to adapt to what best works for um, their communication, our relationship. So can I just circle back really quickly? Because I think this is interesting. I can't find the resource where I was studying this. I was taking notes on it and I just popped in on this. But I, so if you look at the generations, Generation X is typically you know, 1961 to 1981 in birth order. Above that, you have baby boomers, 1946 to 1961. The interesting part about our wonderful veteran experienced colleagues is that, you know, basically the baby boomers, they see that the need for the younger employees to, to have constantly giving feedback and and always receiving it is puzzling to them. Like they're just used to not having so much monitoring <laughs> over their work. Uh, and the Gen X is, it's really about frequency. And basically they, they kind of live in sure. fear. They expect the worst yeah. and hope for the best, <laughs> but they want it frequent and they want it specific. Now, of course, we all move differently within those. The interesting part is millennials, they are like constant feedback because their social lives have been dominated in real time by that feedback through, you know, technology. And so it's just kind yeah. of an area to think about. Maybe listeners, hadn't processed through that as much either. But I think we could all do a little bit more work in understanding that and how, you know, we're communicating with one another and receiving it just based on how, you know, 
our generation, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Yeah. So Alina, as we've been talking and listening, I think we're at the point where we just kind of want to frame up some of the key issues. And I think, and Joshua, you could add to this if you want, but I think we have two main topics that we're focusing on here. One is what we would call emotional intelligence. Have you heard that term, Alina, in your in studying? It's like EQ versus IQ. Yes, I have. My husband actually bought me an emotional intelligence book. Yay. (laughs) Okay. So I feel like I haven't read it yet, but I do have it. That's right, Elena. I have one on my desk. I have one on my desk. I have not opened it yet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so proud of you, but I feel like that's like, if if that's not a signal that this is a perfect area of growth for you, like your husband, here you go. We're going to work on this Um, and good for you to be able to receive that. But I think we all can. And and Josh, when I were kind of chatting about this, I feel like it's something that I embed in my classes for leadership that I teach for adjunct professor uh, as in my adjunct professor role, because we don't talk about these things enough in leadership, but they're really impactful because we have thousands of interactions in a day. And if we struggle with our own self-management and relationship management, then that's just going to create lack of trust and a lack of, I guess, confidence in ourselves when it could just be easily tweaked based upon how we handle that. So that's one. And then the other, you know, is just maybe focusing on the area of conversation and discourse, you know, do you think those are two pinpointed areas for you, Elena? Yeah. I would agree with those. Okay. Because I've thought about buying, getting the book. I haven't done it. Um, Crucial Conversations. Yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And yes. (laughs) I've done the book study and I've done a three-day workshop with that. And not to say that you need to do that, but I think that was probably one of the most um, important trainings that I've been through. And because early, and I think this goes for a lot of folks early on in their leadership journey, they want to please everybody. You want to be liked by everybody, right? Yeah, that's natural. Everybody wants that. And, you know, as you get older in your leadership journey, what you're going to find is that if you have good relationships and you have good communication, a lot of those things get ironed out. And so crucial conversations allows you to take the emotion out of it and work through like Sarah was talking about, about listening, and then making sure that you're using the appropriate terms that are not going to cause an emotional reaction. It's about going through the landmines of words and making sure that you are paraphrasing and sharing that you are actually listening to the person and providing validity to what they're saying. But then also, like you were saying, providing a solution. And it just gives you kind of a framework to make that happen. So I would definitely agree with that book. That's awesome. I love that, Elena, you're the one who pointed out. Um, And the other, so the other two resources that we want to make sure, because as listeners, I'm sure you've been thinking, oh my goodness, yes. I mean, I've been through the same things. Elena, you're not alone. Maybe you want to grow in these two areas as well, because I think as leaders, there are two of some of the most critical um, areas and we can all grow in them. So when we talk about emotional intelligence, you basically look at it as like four quadrants, essentially, and you have your personal competencies and your social competencies. And the idea is nobody's perfect in any of these areas. Like we all need to grow ourselves in them. But most of us, and we need to start with self-awareness, like understanding. So I heard you say, Elena, that you kind of struggle with regulating your own mm-hmm. emotions. And and again, that that's all of us. <laughs> and we're all put in the same pressure cooker, you know, right, right now. And so that's that's got to be as challenging. But I would say that as a leader, that one is, you know, that's where we have to absolutely master that one. And I think we all know 
examples where we've screwed up on there. Um, <laughs> Joshua, I don't know if you want to yes. do a full out confession, but you know, anytime you, <laughs> right. As parents, we know, I'm like, I, I have several examples as a parent today where I did not do great at self-regulation, but in leadership roles, we know that the cost is super high if we, yes. if we're unable to do that. But then you also have self-management. Like, so, you know, your feelings are bubbling up. How, what strategies do you have to kind of manage? And I heard you, Elena, say that you'll, you know, do things with your pencil and you'll kind of cue out a little bit. And maybe that's a coping mechanism for you to be able to self-manage during those uncomfortable moments. So it's not a bad thing. You you figure out and you figure out how to manage. But then the other two pieces are the social awareness. It's knowing. And that's what we were talking about with that, you know, complicated souls on beautiful journeys is that it's not easy to be socially aware. And, but even more so that you can work to do the relation management piece. And that is where you get into the analogy of being a thermostat. In those hot situations, Elena, where it's getting you know heated up, if you build your skills here, you're able to set the temp. And none of us do this perfectly, and it comes with a lot of practice. If you've ever had an angry parent in mm-hmm. your office as an administrator, yes. you know what I'm talking about, like hopping mad, swearing at you, cussing, and when, <laughs> these things happen. Um, and so how do you help to manage that relationship? and keep it intact, even when those temperatures are super hot. So that's a big one. And then the last one I know I wanted to make sure that you heard about Elena and that listeners do is in addition to that crucial conversations, there's a really great resource called Radical Candor. Have you heard about that? I have not. Okay. So this is a gem and we are going to link all of these in the show notes listeners and Elena will make sure to get them to you too. But a really accessible um, resource is just the Radical Candor blog. So you'd go to radicalcandor.com slash blog. And I'm not even kidding you. It's so funny to me because some of their top and most recent stories are don't give feedback about personality, the need for radical candor in schools and five things to do when you disagree with feedback. (laughs) There's one I'm here about don't take it personally. (laughs) But what I love about this resource is that Kim Scott, who is the author, talks about basically a framework for feedback. And in one way, we can be ruinously empathetic, which means that we are too kind and we have a hard time saying things that are truthful because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. And so we allow that to just kind of keep going poorly. Or we are manipulatively insincere, which means that we look like we're being kind, but we're really throwing the darts behind your back or, you know, like giving the backhanded compliments. Or we can be obnoxiously aggressive, which means we are challenging hard directly, but we're not doing it with care. Clearly, Elena, you're not in that quadrant. Where we want to get, according to Kim, is that radical candor where we're able to say, look, clear is kind. These are the things I'm saying these things to you because I care about you. And this is the type of language I'm going to use. And so when we talk about all those dimensions, whether it's gender or generational or, you know, power versus influence, those things with titles. And we know if we frame our feedback in that way, whenever we're going to have a conversation, at least it kind of takes the pressure off for people to guess, you know, like what your intentions were with what you said. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. That sounds like a great read. Yeah. Hey, you can get on Audible. Mm -hmm. Warning, she cusses a few times, but it's good stuff. So (laughs) (laughs) I highly recommend that book. So Alina, do you feel like those uh, you've been able to walk away with with some strategies or some next steps to help you grow in this area and with your challenge? Yes, I feel like I 
I got a lot out of this. There's a lot of tools that I can use and a lot of reading that I need to continue to do to help in this area of growth for myself. That's awesome, Alina. And I heard you say that you're glad to know you're not alone. And I know that Joshua and I, we've just talked about this. Sometimes one of the main reasons we want to do this episode is because, or this segment is because we know that leaders often feel like they're alone in their challenges, but you're just frankly not. Otherwise there wouldn't be so many books and blogs and everything written about it. (laughs) So that's great to hear. And Alina, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast and just sharing so much of your journey. And then also providing a situation that so many other aspiring leaders are going through right now. Thank you. I appreciate that you guys took the time to mentor me. It means a lot. It was our absolute honor, Elena. You are amazing. You're a great leader and we can't wait to continue to watch your journey aspire to new heights. Do you feel coaching would help you aspire further in your leadership journey? Both of us would be happy to help you. Sarah just launched an individual and group-based coaching service and more information is linked in the show notes. And if you'd like to work with me as an individual coach, you can reach me through my website at joshstamper.com and click contact. Join us again next month where we will share our conversation with another wonderful aspiring leader. Until then, keep reaching for new heights and striving to be better.